Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. If you'd like to stand, I would uh, think that might be good. I'm just going to read three verses so you don't have to do it for very long. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain, and, and if I had a pen, I'd underline that right there, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Now, Father, we come before you, Lord, uh, Lord, and we are thankful for this passage. Uh, we are thankful that... Uh, you did make uh, one new man, uh, that you gave us the ability uh, to be a part of this body. And Lord, without you, we know we are nothing, and we are appreciative of what that is that you created for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said, amen. amen. All right, so um, again, what we've been kind of talking about over the course of the last couple of weeks, and really what we want to land on today more than anything is this idea of what really the whole purpose of this chapter is really all about. And if you remember, what did I tell you? Number two, something's new here. And this is really where it's going to bring all of this together, okay? Uh, I've been kind of hanging on this section of Scripture for a couple of weeks now, and, and I want you to understand why, because it's that important. This is very, 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 very important that we make sure we grab onto what is going on here? So in verse 14, for he is our peace. So who is our peace? Okay, pretty easy, right? Jesus is our peace. And he has made both one, breaking down the middle of partition between us. So who is the made both and made one? What's he talking about there? It's important that we understand that. Who's the both? Who's the us? Jew and Gentile. Got to make sure you understand that. That's what he's talking about here. I've seen some crazy stuff. I'm telling you what he's talking about here without any doubt about it is, if you go back up into the early portions of this chapter, there's no doubt about it. He's talking about the Jew and the Gentile, the circumcision and the uncircumcision. He made a covenant he made covenants with Israel. We, the Gentile, were strangers from those covenants. Okay? Uh, uh, we were the ones that were far off. Jews were the ones that were nigh. All of that is what's in scope in this, these uh, three uh, verses. And again, I just want to reiterate. There's no way if you just read the scriptures, you could come to any other conclusion. That is what it's saying. We just can't come to any other conclusion if you just uh, believe what it says and, and allow God to, to uh, uh, bring this uh, and, and flesh this out. Now, with all that being said, nowhere in this passage do you see it say that Gentile becomes Jew. 
Does anybody see that? Because I don't. does not say that. You couldn't even fabricate that if you wanted to, yet people do. People do. This is the passage they'll go to to start to try to prove their, 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 their position, which blows my mind because if you just read this passage the way it should be read, there's no way you could come to that position. Uh, okay. But what he is doing is he's reconciling both who? Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross, slaying the enmity thereby, again, making himself of twain, of two. Who are the two? Y'all get this? Making them um, Jew. Is that what that says? What does it say? One new man. Okay. I know this sounds silly, and I know you're probably sitting there going, dude, I got it, man. Okay. Then my question is, why are we teaching replacement theology? What is going on here that that has become the predominantly taught thing in church this morning? I, I don't understand. And I hope you reconcile with yourself and understand with yourself how important this actually is. Like I said last week, I tried to walk you through that 95% and how we got there. I hope you understand how we got there, and I hope you understand that is not just what I think. That's just the fact of the reality, the reality of it. It's the facts. Go look. Get online. Do some, do some research. Start looking at what churches are teaching. Better yet, better yet, start talking to people. Yeah. By the way, as you should be. You start talking to people, and I promise you, I promise you, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to start fleshing out what's going on here, and then you're going to go, man, that Pastor Frank, he's so annoying. He keeps going on this stuff week in and week out. He just keeps hammering it. And then you're going to be talking to somebody and be like, what did Pastor Frank say? Oh, man, I remember, because he told me 10,212 times. I remember what he said. And you're going to be able to now turn back and start to tell that person, hey, let me show you in Scripture why what you're saying right now is incorrect. I hope you can get to that place. I really do. You should be able to. But I can promise you this, if you aren't talking to people, you'll never have those conversations to begin with. And then you can be the one that sits in the chair, not saying any of you do, but we've had people sit in the chair and say, and, and look at Pastor Frank and go, you just think one Baptist church is the only good church, and you just think it's all about you, and you just think you're the only one teaching right, and you just think, you got to stop. Why are you calling out other churches, Pastor? Why? Stop doing that. Other church, we're all believers in Christ, are we? I read 1 Corinthians 1.10. Did you? Did you? Did you read it? I read Jude 1.3. Did you read that? I read 2 Timothy 3.1-7. Did you read those scriptures? And if you're sitting there going, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. How, not, how could you not? You've been here long enough. We've hammered on this stuff long enough. Hey, man, this stuff is no joke. Pastor Robert preached Revelation 2 and 3. Where were you? Why weren't you here? Did you go back and listen? Why wouldn't you have? Listen, we are living in a period of time that is very, very serious and very, very dangerous. Are you prepared 
to set yourself apart, sanctifying the Lord God in your heart, are you ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that's within you? Could you give an answer to every man for the hope that's within you? Could you show them where they are correct and where they are not? And if you're sitting there going, man, I, you know, I, I think so. I don't know. Hey, w- w- first of all, why would you be sitting there going, I think so? If that's what you're doing, no disrespect. You're your pastor's heart. I'm not trying to hammer on any of you. The problem is you ain't talking to anybody. So why do you think so? Because if you're talking to people, you know if you could or you couldn't. At the end of the day, folks, as we're going to see here in a moment, y'all need to understand something as well as I do. We have one purpose as Christians. That's it. This is easy. We all have one purpose. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. Y'all can come up in this place every Thursday and every Sunday. And by the way, our Thursday attendance is pretty sad. I don't know what everybody's doing. But some people start, need to start reconciling within themselves the fact that we are not to forsake the assembly. I sure hope that if you're forsaking it on Thursday, it's because you have something more important to do. Just saying. I'm not mad at anybody. You aren't trying to please me. I'm just telling you, hey, there is going to come a day when you are going to have to answer to somebody else far more important than me. He died for this. He shed his blood for this. If you think there's something more important than that, well, okay. Okay. I'm just telling you, we should not be forsaking the assembly. We should not be forsaking the time where we come together and praise with one another. No disrespect to anybody, I'm just saying. We start at 1030. Get all your conversations done before then. Get here. Be a part of the assembly. Again, I'm not hammering you. Do you do whatever you want to do? Feel free. All I know is God wrote a whole book called Psalms. Singing praises to his name matters to him. It does. If it doesn't matter to you, so be it. Do what you got. Our one new man. He has given you the privilege upon all privileges. Don't forsake that. Don't deny that. Don't, don't step on the blood of Christ. I'm just telling you guys, we've got to start thinking differently. We are one new man. We are new creatures in Christ. You've heard me say it before. You've heard Robert say it. You've heard men in this church say it. I'm sure women do too. Listen, listen. We are new creatures in Christ. Stop acting like what you were and start acting like the saint you've been called to be. Let me ask you this. In Revelation chapter 4, are you going to be late? 
Are you going to be late to the party in Revelation chapter 4? In Revelation chapter 4, are you going to be standing outside talking while everybody else is around the throne? Come on now. Am I hitting a little too hard? I'm sorry if I am. I'm just asking all questions. What's going on here? Are you not going to be there because you have something more important to do? Are you going to be at work that day? No disrespect to anybody. I'm just talking. What are you going to be doing? Or do you want to be around that throne praising the Lord like you should be? What do you want to do? Are you going to be, I don't know. I could go on and on. Listen, man. The morning that Jesus took that cross and walked up the mountain, do you understand what the Lord of the universe did? Do you get it? The Lord of the universe could have been like, these people stink. They don't have nothing for me, man. They aren't going to respect me. They aren't going to reverence me. They aren't going to fear me. I'm not going to take that stinking cross and walk up that mountain for them. And I'm certainly not going to let them nail some nails in. I'm the Lord of the universe. I created, all, I created the very nails that are about to nail into me. I created the hands that are going to swing the nail. I created the wood. I created the mountain which it stood. We got to start getting perspective, friends. Because the things that we think aren't all that important, we're going to find out one day, they were what was important. They were what was most important. And we're forsaking a lot of stuff because we're just nonchalantly doing our thing. I'm just telling you guys, man, do what you want. I'm not mad, and if I sound mad, I'm not. I'm concerned as your pastor. It's, it's our job to watch out for your souls. And if we can't be honest amongst one another, then what can we be? Don't be upset to being held accountable to the things that Don't even worry about me. <laughs> you're, do you not think you're going to be held accountable on that day? Really? Really? Do you not think? Do you think you're going to stand before the Lord on that day and you're going to be able to look at him and go, well, you know, Lord, this is what I had going on. Let me tell you what, how this thing went, shook out. And I know, I know, but, you know, this is what I had to do. And I had this and I had this going on and I had this problem and I had this pain and I had this, whatever it is. I had to work, I had to do that. Whatever it is. Do you think the Lord's going to look back and you go, oh, yeah, I got it, man. Yeah. You, you remember when I had that appointment with the cross? Remember, remember that? Yeah, remember, remember when, that day when I had the appointment with the cross and I, and I took that cross up that mountain and I, I let him nail it. Remember that? I, I, yeah, I was busy that day too. I know. I woke up that morning and I was sick and you know what? I took the day off that day. If you took the day off that day, you want to know where we all be? Headed for a devil's hell. I'm just telling you, man, he isn't going to look down on this and go, you are saints. You've been called to a purpose. You are ambassadors to Christ. You are ministers of reconciliation. 
Your whole purpose, my whole purpose, this church's purpose, is to bring him glory in everything we say and do. All things. Not just the things we want to get around to when we feel like it. I'm just saying, man. We've got to get a different perspective. We are one new man. The fellowship of the mystery is the one body of Christ. And this was kept secret before the world began. It had not been revealed until Paul reveals it in Ephesians chapter number 3. These verses help define the mystery of Christ, who is our peace. And listen, there is no peace without the Prince of Peace. Do you understand what the peace is? Because I don't think many people even understand that. The peace is between you and the Father. Because you were at enmity with him prior to that. You were at war with him. That is the peace that only, let me, did I say only? Jim, did I say only? Only Jesus Christ can give you. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the only way to get to the Father. There is no other way. Any other way is a false way, and you and I and everybody else that is a true born-again Christian should not just be against it. They should hate it. Why? I shouldn't hate things. You should hate it because it's sending people to hell. That's a big deal. If that's not a big deal to you, you're not paying attention. You're not. This is not about you, me, this church, or anybody on this planet for that matter. This is all about him. And he is our peace. So we need to let the peace of God. There's an interesting word. Rule? Rule in our hearts. To the which also you are called in one body. Which you should be thankful for. Y'all. That's in your Bible too, right? Not just mine. The peace of God should rule in your hearts. He is. He is your Savior, isn't he? He he is your king. The king of kings. The Lord of lords, is he not? Is he though? Is he? Man, I, I, I believe he is. And I believe you all think he is. But I can tell you this, man, sometimes we all, seriously, we don't act like it. We don't act like it. And I get it, man. I understand. You all might think I'm harping on you or I'm, I'm coming down on you or whatever. And, but some of y'all, man, how could you not be excited? How could you not be absolutely enthralled how could you not be in absolute thankfulness to the king of kings 
the Lord of lords who died on the cross for you so that you didn't have to go to hell. And when we sing praise to his name, y'all know what I'm going to say. We just stand there like, Dude, don't he know it's 10.30 in the morning? This is way too early for this. Is it? I'm just curious. When you're standing behind, around his throne, are you going to be looking at your watch going, way too early for this, Lord. Can we do that? Can we, can we check back in a couple hours? Come on, man. Aren't you... Excited? Is Christianity just become a thing you do? Is, is, is church just a place you go? Is it just a thing you are a part of? Cute little club that we all come to and, you know, we just go to one link and, hey, man, yeah. I'll show up if I want to show up. I won't show up. I won't let anybody know. I mean, forget the fact that people are preparing for people to come. For, for, forget the pack, fact that they're going out and buying food and having stuff for you, for, for you when you come, and then you just don't even bother showing up and don't tell anybody. You know, because it's all about you. I got you. It's all about your preferences. I ain't getting on anybody. I'm just telling you, man, come on. What are we doing? We're, is, is that how you treat? Your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is that how we do this? Maybe you didn't check the 41 and others. Maybe we didn't understand that we're one new man in Christ. Maybe we didn't understand that the whole purpose of this church is so that we could come together and formulate a bond to become together in one body what we've been called to do maybe we forgot that somewhere along the line i can promise you this maybe you forgot maybe i forgot he didn't forget and he never will it's the purpose the peace that was given to us, I'm on the next page. The peace that was given to us was given to us by one thing and one thing only. It's the gospel of peace. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is in his death, burial, and resurrection. That is what we are to be preaching. We need to understand the change. We need to rightly divide and see that all are in one in Christ. This was not the way it was prior to that. In Acts chapter 2, we're all in one in Christ. The answer is no. It wasn't. You say, yes, it was. No. We didn't all become one in Christ until Acts chapter 10. That's when that transition started to be uh, revealed, if you will. Those afar off are the Gentiles, them that are nigh are the Jews. Before there were two, now there is one. One new man. A Gentile today who trusts Christ 
is in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. A Jew today who trusts Christ is in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. These two are made one in one body. Does it mean that God's covenant with Israel has been made null and void? The answer is absolutely no. This is what the tribulation and the millennial reign are all about as God fulfills his covenant promises with the nation of Israel. Acts chapter 1 and Romans chapter 11, 25 through 28. God will fulfill his covenant of salvation to the nation of Israel as a whole, or he is a liar. That verse would not be, need to be in the Bible, by the way, Romans eleven twenty five through 28, if covenant theology was a thing. Think about it. Why would that even need to be in the Bible if covenant theology was correct? You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Why don't you go to Romans 11? Let me show you something. Look what Paul says over, says over here in Romans 11. I want you all to see it because it's that important. If you're talking to somebody who believes that the church has replaced Israel, here's a simple place to bring them and ask them, well, can you please explain this? Okay, watch. Verse 25, chapter 11. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, because it's required of a servant to be found faithful. To what? These mysteries. This is one of them. What is the mystery that we're required to be found faithful to? Why is this so important? Well, let me just tell you. Because if you don't understand this mystery, you're going to be wise in your own conceit. But understand this. Blindness has in part happened to Israel. When? Now? Forever? Blindness has in part happened to Israel. You know, that's just the way it is. Some will come to him, some won't. You know, because the church has replaced Israel. Is that what it says? I don't know what colleges or high schools y'all went to, but I'm pretty sure we can all grab on to what until means. Is that a big word there? I mean, are we all okay with until? Ray is good. That's good. Ray's got it. I was a little concerned about Ray, but he's got it. We're good. Until. Until means a specific time. Something's going to happen. What's going to happen, Pastor? Well, don't ask me. Let's let God tell you. The fullness of the Gentiles will come in. Why? Because we're living in the age of the church. This is the age of the Gentile church. You say, wait a minute, you just told me. Well, because, listen, although Jews can become a part of this one body, listen, you do realize that most are not, right? Most still believe Jesus was just a false prophet and he deserved to get nailed on that cross. He was a deceiver. He was a, uh, a false king. He made claims that were just absolutely abominations. No. There's going to come a time when all of Israel is going to be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That's Israel, right? Now watch, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Why would that even need to be in the Bible if covenant theology is correct? If the Gentile church just replaced Israel, boom, we're done. Israel's gone. We don't need to worry about it anymore. We're done. We replaced them. It's all good. 
No. It's in the Bible because God is not done with Israel. God is not. Who was the covenants made with? I mean, it just said it. Israel. What does Romans 3 say? What does Romans 11 say? Is it Romans 11 or is it Romans 9? Romans 9. Romans 9, 4 talks about who are the Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the what? The covenants. What does Romans 3 say? Romans 3 says, in chapter 1, it says, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much, every way, chief, because unto them was committed the oracles of God. Listen, find me one covenant in the Bible that was made with the church. Please, go for it. Find me one. Can I, can I, can I give you a hint? You ain't going to find any, because there weren't any. God, a covenant, do you understand what a covenant does? especially an I will covenant, it bounds God to perform what he said he was going to do. God didn't make any of those with you. Do you want to know what he did with you? He sealed you with a promise. God doesn't even have to do it. God already did it. Do you understand your privilege? Do, you, do, you, do we even grab onto what he actually did? God never covenanted anything to the Gentile that he must fulfill. The explanation of the mystery, the heart of it, God never intended for Gentiles to be Jews. Not a verse in the Bible could you ever come to to even remotely prove that. The three mystery elements... Without covenants, without the law, without Israel, must be understood. They must be understood. Number one, verse 14 tells us, he broke down the middle wall of partition without covenants. When that veil got torn in the temple, what he did is he broke down the wall of partition between us and him. There is no more covenants. There doesn't need to be. He broke it down. He destroyed it. He did something new. He did something he's never done before. Romans eleven twenty seven says, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sin. Whose? Israel's. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought you said that Israel can come to Christ now. What? Why? That doesn't make any sense, Pastor. It does if you understand that we're living in a parenthesis right now. And you just take that out of the way and just play the part now. Y'all get what I'm saying? If you take out the parentheses and pretend like it never happened... Just let's play that for a second. Take out all of the New Testament epistles to the church and let's just play it as if we're rolling out of Acts chapter 7. Let's take out the church age now and just play it. Well, is Israel saved yet? The answer would be no. They still rejected their Messiah. Y'all get it now? Do you see what he's saying now? 
What he's saying is, is there has to come a time when I fulfill my covenant to the nation of Israel. And when's that time going to come? That time's going to come at the end of the time of Jacob's trouble. <laughs> when they find themselves into some serious trouble for three and a half years. When they're sitting over there in Petra. And they're going to call, they're going to figure it out. They're finally going to understand. Oh, man. Jesus, that was actually cool. Let's do that again. Wow, that's pretty cool. There's going to be a time that's going to come when they're going to understand Jesus is the Messiah. And Hosea chapter 6 is going to come into play. Let us return unto the Lord. He has binded up and he has forgiven. That's when all the nation of Israel will be saved. The church age will be gone. It will be up in heaven. Those Jews individually that accepted Jesus as Messiah is part of the body of Christ. Because it's a new creature. Those Jews are not resting on, if they are biblically correct, they're not resting on the promises made to Israel. They're resting on the Holy Spirit of promise. And that's a different deal altogether. And if it isn't, I ask politely, why then is it in our Bible? Just take it out then. It doesn't make no sense. It just doesn't make any sense at that point. The middle wall being the covenant circumcision that separated Israel. Separated Israel from who? From their God. The wall crashed when faith was made the necessity. Did, did, did Moses have to have faith in God? Did he? I mean, the last time I checked, he was right there with the, the burning bush. When he went up on that mountain, God spoke to him face to face. Is that faith? Like, straight up faith the way we think about it. His faith obviously had to be in God, and there was, but his faith was in the faith in what was covenanted to him. That's where his faith was found. His faith was not not seeing God, he saw him, met him face to face. He beseeched him to see his glory, and the Lord showed it to him. Like, he didn't have to have faith in the. He saw the waters get peeled back. He was there, man, when God did all the, 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 the stuff up on Egypt, man. I mean, what, like, he didn't have to have faith in that, right? His faith was in that God was going to do what he promised he was going to do. That's where Moses' faith was. And by the way, realistically, when you think about it, it's the same thing with Abraham. It's the same thing with Isaac. It's the same thing with Jacob. The list goes on. David, same thing. These are all the same. Israel. Israel just had a special bond with God. Well, that's unfair. You have a talk conversation with God about that. Okay. I didn't make up the rules. I'm just going by the, the, what the rule, the guy, the rule maker said. Listen, Romans 9 says, Wherefore, 
because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. They were seeking, they were seeking the salvation of the law of the Lord. Not by faith. Say, wait a minute, you just told me they didn't have faith. No, what I told you is they didn't have to have faith in seeing God. They saw him. Their faith was in something different. Their faith was in the... They, when they, they didn't have the Holy Ghost inside them. They didn't have the evidence of salvation. They didn't have any of that stuff. So their faith had to be in something different. But they sought salvation, if you will, by works. That's what they were looking for. Because they couldn't just believe what he said. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, and it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Of course, that's Christ. And Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. But listen now, Paul tells us in Galatians, Before faith came, we were kept under the law. Who's the we? The church? The Jews, because that's what Galatians is all about, <laughs> okay? He's explaining that the law was a schoolmaster. For what? To bring people to Christ. Shut up. Now look at Shut up onto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Y'all see that? What was the faith that should afterwards be revealed? Anybody? That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 3. The mystery of the dispensation of grace. There's something different about it. It's a new thing. It wasn't revealed. Well, the Old Testament Jews just look forward to the cross. We'll take that verse out now. That verse don't even make any sense if you, if you believe that. What's the faith that was afterward revealed? That if you die to yourself and put your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will have remission of sin. You should be going no right now. No! That you would have forgiveness of sin. Get this. All of them. All of them. He has cleansed you of all sin. Well, you, Lord, you know, Pastor, you just don't know, man. You just don't know the things I've done. I don't care what you've done. Did you check what Moses did? Y'all do know Moses killed somebody, right? Y'all remember that? David? You think David? David killed somebody, committed adultery, and I mean, he, I mean, he, he, had, his, he, had, some, he had his own problems. God not forgive him? Is he, is he done? Is that it? He goes to hell? You just don't understand what I've done. Look, I don't care what you've done. You've never done anything that the blood of Christ can't fix. It can fix it all. But I will say, you have to put your faith in that. You have to understand there's nothing you could have done because of all the things you've done. He abolished it, man. That's number two. He abolished it. Do you understand what that word abolished means? 
<laughs> it's, it's destroyed. It's gone. And he did so without the law. Romans 3, 20 and 21 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, amen, the righteousness of God without the law, without the law, has been made known to you and has been revealed to you. What? It's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And what's crazy is the law and the prophets didn't even understand it. That's the crazy part about all of that. It was witnessed by them, but they knew not what it was. Why? Because the mystery had not been revealed yet. Know you not, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law. Who's that? The Jew. How that the law had dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosened from the law of her husband. So then if, he's using an analogy here, he's, he's explaining something. While her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. It's a new man. Something new is going on. This is all new. This was not an Old Testament covenant. This was not the fulfilling of something in the Old Testament. This is all new. We are redeemed from the law by death. What? Wait a minute. What did you just say? I got to die? Yes. Just as he did. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. What does Galatians 2.20 say? I am crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live, not I. See, you're a new creature. Christ liveth in you. We have been made free from the penalty of the law. And by the way, not free to do whatever you will. And if you understand that, there goes legalism out the door. And if you understand that, you'll understand the whole point of the book of Galatians. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Death is a transfer of your soul to another place. First, to face your maker. Then, if you do not know Christ, a separating of you from the God of the universe, here's a scary thought, forever, for all of eternity. Be careful making the Lord's Supper and water baptism a law of ordinances, which many churches do. We do not have to do them. We do them for remembrance and identifying. Doing them, by the way, does not make you a Christian. I'm a Christian, so I do them. No, you do them because you're a Christian. You, know, you just said the same thing. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And then last, point three, to make in himself one new man. 
without Israel, but the body of Christ. This is how you know you are not Israel. We have not been made Israel. We have been made a new creature in Christ. If you think that you uh, have, have to be Israel, I would suggest, as Romans 11 states, that you're blind to what this is saying. Romans 11, 11 says, I say then, had they stumbled that they should fall. Did Israel stumble that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Well, you know, Israel just replaced, got replaced by the church, see? So now Israel's jealous. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. If that made sense, then he would have just stopped somewhere around there. But Romans 11.25 makes it clear that that doesn't make any sense. Why? Because the blindness has part happened to Israel. Until. And then all of Israel shall be saved. We are not Israel we are the body of Christ. We do not need to get access to God's covenants. We need access to God's promises. Yeah. Let me repeat that yeah. for the people in the back, especially Kathy, because she's a little slow. We do not need access. At least, at least Cheyenne's not dressed like a pumpkin today. We're on a good, we're heading the right way. We do not need to get access to God's covenants. We need access to his promises. That's a big deal, folks. His promises to us was given, get this, before the world began by his will. We're not an afterthought. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> if you didn't hear a word I just said today, Hear the statement I'm about to say. We are the gift that God the Father gave to God the Son. And if that doesn't stop you in your seat right there, and that doesn't make you perk up and go, and if you don't think that's not serious, you might want to think about that for a little longer. I'm telling you right now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And we forsake it. We forsake it. And we treat it like church is just a thing we do. Let me, let me repeat that. The body of Christ, the church, is the gift that Father the Father gave to his son. The physical covenants were promised to Israel. Specifically, most of them, or, or a big part of them, to Abraham. The spiritual promises were given to all the families that came through Israel by faith, not by covenants. Both Jew and Gentile needed to be reconciled to God. Was the Jew reconciled to God in the Old Testament? Was the Jew reconciled to God in the Old Testament? 
The answer is no. They were not. Did y'all hear? Do you understand the importance of that statement? I mean, seriously, do you understand the importance of it? By understanding the importance of that statement, you will recognize that nobody in the Old Testament could have been saved. And you go, yeah, I've been around this church long enough, I get that. Do note most people do not think that. Start having conversations with people. Ask them. Just start out. How did Old Testament saints get saved? And watch what they'll say. They will not, I promise you what you will. Maybe one in a thousand, if you're lucky. I promise you what they won't say. Old Testament saints can be saved. They'll give you the answer to how Old Testament saints got saved. No, no. That's why they had to go to Abraham's bosom. They couldn't be reconciled. There was no propitiation for their sins yet. And he alone is the propitiator. And to propitiate for sins, blood had to be spilt. Not the blood of goats and calves, but once. This is why the Roman Catholic Church needs to take Christ off the cross. He's not on the cross anymore. Do you understand? He's not on the cross anymore, folks. He's our transubstantiation is a joke. It's wrong. He ain't there anymore. He will never be back there ever again. He don't need to be there anymore. He paid for it once and for all. It's over. It is finished. And having made peace through the blood of his cross to reconcile, guess what's the part of all things? Jew and Gentile. In one, in one, in this new thing. He created through his blood, purchasing this new entity that we call the body of Christ. There is no privileged covenant position in this dispensation. If you understand that, then you'll understand the next statement. It literally breaks down religion. It makes peace between us. Nobody is any better. Nobody has a higher position. Nobody does. Let me repeat that. Nobody does. Well, Pastor, don't you? Nope. I have no higher position than you do. I may have a higher call, but I don't have a higher position. Well, you know, the Pope. I mean, come on. <laughs> Look at his position. Yep, blasphemy. It liter- if you understand there is no privileged, covenanted position in this dispensation, there is none. And what I mean by that is, I have no more privilege over anybody than you do. We all have the same promises. Made to every single one of us. And every single one of us has the ability to earn crowns and do the things that we've been meant to do. Nobody has it over somebody else. Now, here's what I will say though. But what you do now is going to determine your privileges then. That I promise you. We got it backwards. 
We've missed the boat. We don't understand how this thing really works. There are no anointed ones. Y'all know why I said that? Benny Hinn, prophets, all that junk, people speaking in tongues because they have the special spirit that's come upon them because they're just more Christian than everybody else. Uh, no, sorry, that's not the way this works. He is the anointed one alone. Y'all got that? Are we, is that okay saying that? Are we okay with that? So finally, we have the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Oh, and we are all one in him, by the way. So what is reconciliation? It is an agreement of things that were opposite, different, or inconsistent. So the world is at enmity with God. Jew and Gentile. Is everybody good with that? Okay. There needs to be a reconciliation that needs to happen with the world and God. And I don't know why. I can't answer this question. All I can tell you is, this is the way God did it. Do you know what he uses to reconcile the world with him? You know what he uses? People. Are you a Christian? You. That's who he uses. Well, you know, I, I just, you know, that's for the pastor. <laughs> I, I, I have different gifts. Do you remember what I said just a minute ago? There is no special privileges. We are all one in Christ. We all have the same position. We all have the same job as ambassadors. It's not just me. It's not just Robert. You all too. And I promise you, all of us are going to be held accountable to this. So I will ask very politely. I will ask very nicely. Where's the person next to you? That you won to Christ. Where's the person you're discipling? Why isn't this church doubled? Why haven't we tripled? Why haven't we quadrupled? Well, you know, we're just going to build it and they're going to come. I'm just going to sit back here and wait till they all come. No, no. Go get them. That's our job. When you stand before him, what do you think he is going to judge you for? Really? Do you think he's going to look at you and go, well, hey man, you are at church every Sunday. Okay, here's a couple crowns. Good job. Do you think that's what's going to go down? Now, are you going to be held accountable for not being at church every Sunday? Yeah, because that's forsaking the assembly. But you aren't going to get any crowns for that. That's your reasonable service. You want to know what you're going to get crowns for? Do you want to know the only way you're going to get a crown? The absolute only way you're going to get a crown. Winning people to Christ, building up in their faith, and sending them out to do the same thing. That's it. That's the only way. You want crowns? You better start opening your mouth. 
You better start talking to people. And I promise you, if you start opening your mouth and you start talking to people, I promise you, you're going to start learning that what Pastor Frank says up here and what Pastor Robert says up here, we ain't as crazy as we think we are. You're going to go, dude, wow, he's right. People really do think this stuff. Yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. And it's more rampant than you think. You're going to find that out real fast if you start opening your mouth and you start having conversations with people. But you know what? You know what? Maybe, just maybe, if you actually prayed about it, if you actually were sincere to the Lord that you wanted to bring his message to other people, do you think maybe the Lord might not put people in your path? Crazy idea. I know, it's biblical, but let's not go down there. Maybe the reason why you aren't having conversations with people is because you ain't praying about it. And the Lord isn't putting people in your path. And listen, do note that after you pray about it, and after the Lord does put people in your path, you better open your mouth. You better. You better start talking. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to... What? What does that say right there? Corinthians, not written to pastors. We got 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus for that. Corinthians was written to who? And what was, what was the problem with Corinthians? They weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is writing to them saying, what are you people doing? You are so Laodicean. Don't you understand? You have been given the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto the pastor. Now that says? Committed unto who? Us! The word of reconciliation. Pastor, you just hammered his Bible. I mean, I got my kid. listen, man, I just want to come to church and feel good about myself and go home. How's that going to minister to you to wit Reconciliation. How? It isn't. You got to understand who you are. You got to understand what you are. You got to understand what you and I are prone to do. You got to understand that we are a mess. A hot mess. Especially Kathy when she wakes up in the morning, apparently. Only because she said so. I don't know. Only David would know that. I'll leave that to him. We are, man. We are a hot mess. We got major problems. We are so selfish. Pastor, no, we're not. I mean, I'm not selfish. I love people. Do you? Do you? When's the last time you spoke to someone about Christ for, seer, for, for being serious? If you're not selfish, then you have been given a gift. You have been given the privilege of all privileges. You are a spokesperson for the God of this universe. The one that saved you. Well, you know, I gotta go to work for 40 hours a week, right? I get tired, you know what I mean? I mean, I gotta come home, I gotta take care of the husband, I gotta take care of the kids, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. You know, I gotta do over that, I gotta do, you know, but, but, but pastor, I mean, you know how many stuff, you know how much stuff we do around here? I mean, we got one links, we got this. I don't have time for this. 
You don't have time to be a Christian? Is that what you're telling me? You don't have time to be a Christian? All I know is he had time for you on that morning. That's all I know. He had time for you. All I know is he took your sins and he nailed them as far as the east is from the west. All I know is he put his spirit inside of you so that you could do it. Peace, that we are all sinners and can only be saved by God's grace. That's what was given to us. God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Listen, at Calvary, nobody understood why Christ had to die. None of them understood it. That's why only one was standing at the cross, even of the disciples. They had all scattered. They didn't understand why he had to die. They didn't get it. They were just looking forward to the cross. They walked with the man for three and a half years and still didn't get it. Peter looked at him and said, Oh no, Lord, not so. Three days, the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be cru he's crucified. Oh no, that's not going to happen, Lord. We got your back. We got you, man. Did they have his back? Uh, nope. Nope. Only the one guy was standing at the cross with him. Everybody else scattered like the little... Scaredy cats they were, just like we do, if we're being honest. If we're being honest. Nobody understood why Christ had to die. In the early parts of the church, Acts 1 through 7, they still didn't understand it. They still were on the idea that the person they put on that cross was their Messiah. And that's what they were preaching. That's at Calvary, by Calvary, or since Calvary. I word it any way you want. But now that the mystery has been revealed, we do understand it. We do understand why he had to die. Do you understand why he had to die? And let me tell you what we do. And let me tell you why we're so Laodicean. Well, yeah, I understand why we had to die because she had to take care of my sin. Can I help you with something? Eh. That's not why he had to die. What do you mean? Yeah, it is. No, that's making it all about you. Do you want to know why he had to die? Because Scripture said he had to die. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53 had to be, be fulfilled. Why? So that I'll be saved? That's part B. Part A is so he could get his glory. That's why he had to die. That's why when you read 1 Corinthians 15, it says, according to Scripture. It doesn't say, for you. So you can be free to do whatever you want to do. That's not what it says. When we talk about right division, we have to separate how God works and operates differently to different people at different times. And how we can use seemingly same concepts, yet have different meanings to different people at different times. It's God deals with them differently. Recognizing who the letter is written to is a good place to start. Happy birthday, Brittany. And David. And David.
and this lady right here. Anyone ever else has birthdays in November? My daughter, she's not here. Happy birthday. There's your happy birthday message. Hope it was good. Hey, listen, guys. I hope you all understand, man. I am not trying to bring you all down. I'm not trying to ruin your days. I'm not. But at the end of the day, is this in Scripture or not? Do you want me to just skip over it and get to the good stuff? Or do you want me to preach to you correct what's correct? I know it stinks, man. I don't like it. I don't like it any more than you do. I don't like having to really take a look in the mirror and go, man, I really suck. I really am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I really need, but you know what? We have to hold our, each other accountable to that. That is what the purpose of the church is. We do a lot of, lot of great things at this church. I want you all to understand that. I think Robert would agree with what I'm saying. We appreciate you. There's a lot of good things that we do at this church, okay? But don't get complacent in that stuff and forget to do the very things we're supposed to be doing. Because by not doing those things, it's being overshadowed by the th good things you are doing. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? We can never, ever lose the beauty of the cross. That's why Jesus, Jesus did not say, wake up every day and go to church. Is that what Jesus said? Jesus did not say, wake up every day, wake up every day and do this. Or wake up every day. What he said was, pick up your cross daily. Why? I wonder why he would say that. Because he knew. He knew what our selfish selves would do. And he knew that we would get so focused on stuff instead of focused on him. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, we come before you, Lord. I just want to thank you for this day, for everything you do. Lord, we ask you bless the rest of our day. Help us to be mindful of the things that we should be about. Uh, Lord, we do love you, and we know you loved us. But we only love you because you first loved us. And so, Lord, I, I pray that this would not be a time of, uh, man, I just feel like I just got hammered. I, I pray this would be a time of, yeah, Lord, I need to get back to the things I need to be doing. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for, the, thank you for nudging me. Thank you for loving me. Thankful, thankful, thank you that your arm is still stretched out still. Lord, you're still giving me an opportunity to fix the wrongs that I may have done. Lord, may I do that. May I, may I open my eyes. May I not realize that, you know what, sometimes life isn't about me. It's about you and your glory and those that don't know you need to know you. It's my job to be a part of that. Thank you for the privilege for giving me that opportunity. May I not uh, uh, just push that under the, the rug. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.